What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Sahil Cycle Show, where we interview some unstoppable entrepreneurs who are dominating figures in their businesses. Sahil here, back again with an other another episode with an awesome, insane guest. Our today's guest was a fitness trainer. When he got into this coaching industry, he was struggling for two years until he got his first breakthrough. When he was able to make million dollar in a year. Not only that, he was able to get multiple to Comma Club awards, to CC awards for making over $25 million in different industries and business models. He has trained over thousands of elite CEOs. Without wasting any more time, let's welcome Tanner Chedesta to our show today. What's up, everyone? This is Sahil here, and welcome to The Sahil Sagal Show, where I'm going to be interviewing some crazy entrepreneurs out there who started from scratch with no experience, resources, and connections, and then later on became unstoppable and dominating figures in their respective businesses. We're going to dive deep into the mindset of these super successful entrepreneurs to find out how they did it and how you can model it too. It's time to pick their brains and uncover all the strategies and tactics which these entrepreneurs use to scale their businesses from nowhere to multiple six, seven, and eight figures. Welcome to The Sahil Sagal Show. Welcome, Dana. Yay, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure and honor to have you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you taking time. Absolutely. Man, your journey is really inspiring. First of all, kudos to you, how you transitioned coming from a, a fitness industry and to the business coaching. So how did that transition actually happen? When was it? And how did it yeah. come? Um, do you, how far back do you want me to go? Do you want me to start like just right there? Or do you want me to go back farther? When you were at the fitness industry, you were working there as a... Sure. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I got into, I really started to build a company around 22. Uh, so that's when I stopped playing collegiate football, didn't have any success for the first couple of years. And then finally around 25 is when things started to take off. And I did a million dollars that year. And then as soon as I hit a million dollars, I got one of those click funnel awards. You can see a couple behind me, but it's, it's somewhere up here. And then trainers started reaching out and asking for help. And initially I wasn't uh, too keen on it because I've had bad experiences with coaches. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to coach. I kind of hate coaches. They're kind of scammy, which is ironic now. Right. Uh, but I had so many asks that eventually there's about 150, $200,000 just day one. If I took on these clients. And so I, you know, I was 25 at the time I had big dollar signs and I said, ah, all right, I'll do it. And then, you know, it kind of exploded from there, but that was really how the transition happened. I was not looking for it at all. But, you know, when you start having success, uh, people ask. And so it's, it's easy if you just want to say, hey, like, here's how I did this. and I'll show you how to replicate it. So that's awesome, man. That's crisp. Well, what exactly happened at that time? Like why coaching? There are so many other ways, crypto, e-com, Amazon, real estate, I'm sure. Uh, was it just like somebody reached out to you and you started doing that and you started loving it? Or what exactly happened at that time? Yeah, it was it was just really what I was shown. Uh, so, you know, sometimes people say, you know, why are you a bus driver? You know, maybe your parents were bus, were bus drivers or something of that nature. So I just got out of college or I was in college and I wasn't really sure what to do. Football had just ended. I was studying petroleum engineering, but I wasn't really enjoying it. And I had a conversation with my mentor and he said, Hey, you should drop out and be a fitness coach. And I said, well, why would you say that? He's, he goes, you know, you've been doing this your whole life. You work out all the time. You're in great shape. You love it. And so I said, okay. And that's really the only 
thing I needed. And then once I started having success, it was easier to branch off. But I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today. If you had asked me that five years ago, I would have been laughing. <laughs> Absolutely. Got it. Got it. And your transition like basically happened from talking about concepts like macros, calories, and fitness industry to business concepts like now revenue, ROAS, LTV. Yeah. How much overwhelming was it in the initial phases of the journey? How much revenue was what? I'm sorry. No, how much overwhelming was it when you were oh, in the you know, it, it's interesting. So it depends. Fitness coaching, I felt I was a therapist at times because there's a lot, you know, these people are overweight. Maybe they have low self-esteem. So you got to give a lot of kind of mental reinforcement. With business coaching, it's a lot less of that. But I guess you could say it's it's easier because they're a little more focused, but there's a lot more fulfillment. So you have to do a lot more. Here's how you say this. Here's how you do that. Here's how you set this up. So I would say the upside to fitness is it's a harder or easier fulfillment, but it's a harder sell. The upside to business coaching was it's an easier sell, but it's a lot harder fulfillment, just a lot more time and effort. So, you know, the, the size of my fulfillment team is a lot bigger for business coaching than it ever was for fitness. You know, fitness coaching, it's, hey, follow your plan. Did you follow your plan? No. All right, well, like follow it this week. There, you don't have to do too much. You know, it's just more of kind of mindset coaching and pushing them through it. So those are kind of the big differences, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And when you were having those feelings, I'm sure the, you get them feelings of like quitting, dropping out from these plans when you start something. What was your biggest why in that phase of the journey? Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're broke uh, and you've grown up in an environment where I was bullied as a kid, I think that's the biggest thing is I didn't want to be a loser. Uh, even as an adult, sometimes people close to me will say I'm very critical of others. Like, I don't say anything critical. But I think because as a kid, I was bullied so much, I'm, I'm really hypercritical to pick things up that I know someone would be bullied for. So, you know, if someone's overweight, I immediately kind of pick up on like, oh, like that, per like I think it in my head, I'm like, oh, that person's overweight or, you know, that person's short or that person's, uh, you know, not tall enough or their clothes are not good. Like, like because as a kid, I was bullied so much. I think that's really what drove me because you have this insecurity that you're not good enough. But I also, after I started putting in work in sports and had success, I, I had the mindset that I could do anything I wanted. And I think that's part of what makes the most successful people on earth successful because they have this massive insecurity, but they also have confidence they can be great. So when I was struggling, I just was so insecure about being told I was a loser that that pain was greater than going forward. That's the easiest way I can describe it. Wow, that's the deepest why I can see that. A lot of people have been going through that phase and then they found something they feel like they cracked the code. Yeah, it's well, and it's interesting, too, because as a kid, it was very hurtful to be made fun yeah. of. I was just kind of a strange kid. It wasn't on purpose. I just grew up with a bunch of sisters and my parents were very conservative. Hmm. And, you know, so I did dresses and tea party and, you know, my, my parents were just like, yeah, whatever. Just, you know, he's with his sisters. It's fine. But as you get older, you know, guys in my grade are like, what's wrong with you? What's, you know, why are you saying this? Why are you so yeah. soft? And so you get, you know, it's painful at the time, but I will say people who get bullied, they usually go on and they do very well in life. It's interesting yeah. because the they're told that they're weird or they're strange. And so you fight against it very hard. And the easiest way to fight against it from what I saw was to 
be good at sports, was to get better grades, was to get cuter girls. And so now that I'm older in life and I've, you know, quote unquote, done some of those things, people, they don't mess with you as much anymore. And so now it's changed a little bit, but I will say there's always that constant, you know, fear of not being good enough. And I think that's important to have. So, you know, sometimes I get mad about it when I, well, I guess when I started, I was mad about it, but now I'm actually really grateful because I don't know if I got, was bullied, I'd be where I'm at. I think that was a huge catalyst to me being as driven as I am. That changed into like a blessing and a curse. Then you, it was a curse at one point. Now it's, you're living that life and yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> when you were transitioning into this uh, business industry or coaching industry and specifically, did what concepts you borrowed from the fitness industry that you saw that like, yeah, I have this strategies, tactics or whatever frameworks that you applied to the uh, business or coaching industry at that time? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the same, a lot of the same ways I got leads and I got clients and how I did sales calls, marketing, all those types of things stayed the same. I think the really only big difference was the fulfillment. I mean, the fulfillment is much more difficult. So sometimes it's funny, you know, they say the grass is always greener on the other side. When I was in the fitness industry, I said, oh man, you know, if I do business coaching, I can sell, you know, 10, $15,000 packages and this and this and that, but it comes with the whole other hurdle of fulfillment. The fulfillment's very intensive because there's just so many things that go into building a business. Uh, but everything else was pretty much the same, if I'm being frank. Different messaging, different marketing, but you know how I ran ads and did messaging and emails and sales calls, all that was pretty much the same. So the biggest difference with those businesses is the back end. But what I've found as I've gotten older is the best companies to build and get bigger have easier fulfillment. So you can build, you know, you could build a 20, $30 million coaching company, but you don't see a lot get over that because the fulfillment is so taxing, right? And then mm -hmm. the companies that get the biggest, typically tech or, you know, private equity funds, yeah. think about it, you know, private equity fund, it's Tanner, give me your money and I'll invest it for you and I'll give you some back. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no fulfillment, right? It's just give us your money and go away. Uh, same thing for SaaS products. You know, overall, I mean, there's probably some, but Uber, I mean, I don't ever really hit up Uber support. I just hit it, yeah. I get in the car, I go away. The only time they probably get hit up is if the driver's a psycho or the passenger's a psycho. But besides that, it's pretty easy. So to answer your question, just the same minus fulfillment. Everything else is pretty similar, to be quite frank. And I think a lot of industries, know, like especially coaching and all, they don't even stay longer in the game. They stay for four or five years. and Yeah, so... Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. So I think it's one of two reasons. I think one is either a, they get kind of burned out because they don't build a great team or mm -hmm. two, they're just ready to move on to a bigger vehicle. So for example, I'm actually, I just stepped out about three weeks ago as CEO. I do a 15 minute advisory call per day and that's it. Oh, well, that's all I do. But what I've realized is that I, it can still grow and get bigger, but you have to understand from this point, if it's doing, let's say 20 million a year, and we get to 22 million for me, that doesn't really mean anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So the average person, Oh, another $2 million. But you have to understand if I'm trying to get to a hundred million or a billion and this vehicle, you know, starts capping out around 30 million or it gets a lot harder. So you're putting a lot more effort for very incremental gain. It makes sense to step out and get in a better vehicle. And you've, you've seen that with, you know, Hermosi just did that recently. Yeah. We've also seen that with, uh, I think Sam, Sam Ovens just Sam said it. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see some other people, but that's what I realize is it's not so much 
that you can't keep growing it, but it's, you know, how much leverage do you have? And you have a lot more leverage in other vehicles. So I think the skill set and building it has been super influential and helpful for me. But as I move on to other things, if I can get in a bigger vehicle, say, for example, I started a fund. I mean, that'd be so easy to start a fund where I could just go and find people who have a bunch of money and say, hey, my fund is going to get you higher returns or the fund I'm partnering with will get you higher returns than this fund. You should give your money to me and you're done. But I, I'm a marketer. So getting clients and getting leads, those things come very natural to me versus maybe some traditional equity holders. That's just a random example. Yep. Uh, but I think that's why you see it. So the people either leave to go to the bigger opportunity or they step out because they didn't build a good team and they just want to get out of it. Um, for me, I have such a great team. It didn't really make sense for me to like quit. It, mm -hmm. it made sense to either sell it or keep it going. And I chose to keep it going. Gotcha. Gotcha. It definitely makes sense. And uh, as you touch base on that one, I want to come to that one. Your elite CEOs, that's what your program is. So mm -hmm. that, that is still running. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah still, still running. How was it born at that time? Like w when you stepped into this business industry, was that, that, that was the first step or first coaching program that you made or how, how and when exactly? Yeah. So when I stepped, when I stepped in, it was first the fitness program. Then I started helping trainers. So that was the, what I call the fitness CEOs division. Mm -hmm. And then from there it moved into elite CEOs because we started helping people outside the fitness industry. So we just made like little quick changes to the name. But yeah, that was, uh, in terms of business coaching, that was the first program I ever made. And we've made updates over the years, obviously, but we've been in the game five years now. And uh, I don't really see us going anywhere anytime soon. So it's just continuing to improve on what we have and expand. So the cool part now is we're starting to look into licensing deals and we're starting to, uh, we want to add a Spanish division in quarter two. And we're starting to add in done for you offers um, that, different team members run, but you know, a lot of our clients are like, Hey, I want a sales team or, Hey, I want a messaging team, stuff like that. Um, so it's been pretty, uh, pretty cool to watch, but it can still grow. And I think it will get to 30, 40 million a year, uh, with the offers combined. But again, if my ceiling or I'm trying to get to, you know, nine figures or a billion, it doesn't make sense for me to continue to put my time here. It makes more sense for me to advise and let my brothers grow it. And then I can move on to the next thing. That's at least my viewpoint. I could be wrong. Gotcha. It comes with experience. Yeah. Obviously, you have to go with the flow and see what things work and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. What's your advice on to someone like they should start and stop doing when it comes to especially high ticket coaching space? Because my industry, my clients are mostly into the coaching, being a coach as well. Yeah. Uh, I think the number one thing to stop doing is worrying about everything or, you know, waking up and having a whole checklist of things to do. For me, when people say, you know, what did you do all day when you were growing your company? I, I just yeah. got up and I worked and I did what I had to do to get sales. So, you know, for me, it was how, do, how can I make more money? Sales calls. How do I get sales calls? Messaging. Mm -hmm. And then I had clients. So all I did all day was I was either messaging, taking sales calls or talking to clients. That's it. I wasn't posting content. I wasn't editing videos. I wasn't, you know, doing podcasts and all these other things. And, and you can, but I think it depends at what level you do it. So, you know, people will see me now and we're posting content like crazy. I mean, we're doing four or five posts a day on some of my socials, but you have to understand I have 11 editors. I have an executive uh, creative director. I wouldn't have done that in the beginning. So I just think it's people really need to focus on the major things that will move the business. 
then once they get there, then they can start adding in other things. I think a lot of people do too much too soon um, because they, they, they don't really understand how to get out of the business. The only way to get out is you have to make money. So then you can hire people to start doing less. But if you're doing activities that aren't directly increasing the cash flow of the business, it's not a good use of your time. So the first year I ran my company, I posted zero times on Instagram for a year, not even once. I just, because I, I just knew the amount of time it took me to post it and edit it and write a caption, it wasn't worth it because I was making all my money setting up calls through messaging. So you were doing, you were doing all raw, like a cold outreach and everything. Oh yeah, man. I was, oh. I was ham all day. Yeah. So, I mean, I would get some warm leads. Uh, I did shout outs at one point. I start you know, I started running ads once I really got the hang of it. Yeah. But yeah, when I, I got up to $50,000 a month, uh, just DMing people. Oh, that's wow. it and it was just cold dms mostly and then i'd push them to a triage call and then i'd do a sales call so that was the hardest time ever for sure because when you don't have warm leads you got to really work the leads i mean cold leads are you know they take a little more effort uh, but it was a good skill that i learned and you know it really helped me down the road obviously absolutely a lot of time we just make it complicated i was watching a alex video as well one day he was like what's your routine look like he's like i just wake up i don't take cold showers i don't do all that yoga stuff and all that i just take a cup of my coffee and just get get to the work yeah and and you can i mean if you want to do it by all means but you know if you spend more time working you're going to beat other people and so if you can just get right into your work and be productive and start going um you're going to beat someone else who, you know, takes two hours to prepare to start working. And I think the less you need to get in a workflow state, the better, just like working out, you know, you don't want to have to take a pre-workout every single time you go to the gym. Sure. You can take it sometimes, but if you can just get up at any time and go to the gym and start pumping the weights, um, it's going to be a lot more realistic for the long term versus, you know, the short term where everything has to be perfect. Gym has to be this temperature. Got to have your workout clothes, pre-workout meal, all that stuff. Turns you into almost a prima donna. Got you. Got you. Makes sense. Definitely. And as you were talking about the levels and different, obviously at different levels, you have uh, different mindset and different things you talk about, you uh, take into consideration. Like uh, what differences you see between people who are making, I would say six, seven and eight figure. What are the major differences you see at different levels? Yeah. So, I mean, six to seven figures is really just, I, I think effort, uh, to be honest, I, I know people who can get to a hundred thousand a month with two or three employees. It's just effort and skill. So like six to seven figures is how good are you at messaging? How good are you at sales calls and how many hours are you working? I think that's a lot of effort six to seven figures. So, uh, you know, or I should say seven to eight figures, excuse me. So a hundred thousand a month, a million a month, that's going to be more team. So it's, it's how good are you at hiring, training, recruiting, things of that nature. Um, if you're not good at getting other people to do things for you and keeping them aligned with your company and your vision, you're never going to get to eight figures. Most of the CEOs I meet, they can't get past 100K because they're not good leaders. They, they think that they just hire someone and show them once and that's what it is. More times than not, you have to repeat yourself over and over and over and over all the time. I mean, it's a constant cycle of management. So just like clients, you're repeating yourself to your team. I think once you get eight to nine figures, it's just the vehicle. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, regardless of what anyone says, I promise you, if you're trying to get to nine figures, it's probably not going to happen in a coaching business. It's very rare. 
right? Because the amount of fulfillment and execution is just a lot higher. Ad costs get astronomical. You don't get enough clients in. Um, it's not the highest longevity for clients. You know, it's, it's hard to keep clients year after year after year because it's information. Information, once people get it, it becomes infinitely less valuable. So I think for most people, though, they're struggling to get seven to eight figures because they don't know how to lead and build teams. And that's one of the skills I've learned. It's, it's not like if you want to grow big companies, you want to make a lot of money, you want to have a lot of impact. It's really not about you at all. It's about how you're assembling teams and hiring and training and managing. Mm. Because if you can't get other A players to do work for you, then you're always inside the business and it's going to cap at your level. But if you can completely separate from the business and get other people to go in and build it for you, you know, that's how you can get to higher levels. Hopefully that made sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it hit me very hard. I I personally hit my 100k months like with just two employees and all organic. I didn't even jump into the paid ads and that was it. And now going towards seven figures is like, yeah, team building and team training. It's just a pivoting one thing, I think. That's yeah. what I was. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was planning. So you answered my second question as well. I was going to ask this follow-up question. That was my selfish question. How do you, how should I scale from six to seven figures? But I think you all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So like, you know, if you're just trying to get to the $100,000 a month, it's really just more effort and more skill. So mm -hmm. the, because when someone goes, well, what's the difference between this person and that person? A lot of times it's just they're better at messaging. They're better at sales calls. And then they're running maybe a little bit of paid ads, but very little, right? It's just having a little bit of lead flow. The people I see who do, you know, closer to 10,000 a month or yeah, 10,000 a month. It's just their skill level is not there and they yeah. think it is, but they're not willing to get better. So you have to understand for me, when I finally started a business, I've done door to door sales. I've been a server. I've been an athlete. So I knew how to work and I knew sales. I was very good at communicating. And I know what to say to get people to do what I want. So mm. it's, it's about asking, you know, something that really gifted me in sales is I know the question to ask to get the answer I'm looking for. So a lot of people, they don't really know what to say, but when you know what answer you want, it's easy to know what question to ask, right? So if I want you to say, you know, um, you're busy, you know, for example, let's say like, I need you to say you're busy, Right. I just like, Hey, what do you do for work? You do this. Oh, got it. Does that keep you busy all the time? You're going to be like, yeah, of course. Like you're not going to say no. Cause no one wants to be lazy. So that was maybe a bad example off the top of my head, but I just had a systematic process of knowing what to ask and getting people to give me the answer I was looking for, which made my process really efficient. So if you're trying to go six to seven figures, I would really just, you only need maybe two to four people. You need like a coach, you yep. need a setter slash sales rep, maybe another one. And then like, I don't know, someone like, I don't know, maybe one other person for whatever you need. Like you only need like a couple people. So the rest of it is just, are you getting enough volume? And then how good are you at messaging and sales calls to get enough of those sales to get to a hundred thousand a month? That's really all I would focus on. Um, and if you're not there, get help from someone who really is going to help you with that process. Because, you know, I, whenever you run ads, people will say, oh, my leads are all terrible, but are they? Because we probably get the same leads you do. We just make more sales. So then it's mm -hmm. the question to ask is, what does that process look like? That's deep. I got it. Got it. And yeah. that way, what the personal branding, does it play a role? Like where, where exactly would you 
put that in like right at the seven figure initial mark or mm, I, i don't even think you need to i mean i don't think you need to until you're at eight figures there's okay. two things of personal branding so it's very interesting so you have, you have two ways that you can build a big personal brand number one is you just post viral type content so mm-hmm. an example for me would be a mr beast a logan paul you know you'll even you even throw some only fan people in there right like they're just posting content that it's not necessarily you know about building business or you know education which i i think most people consider boring it's it's you know it's entertainment mm-hmm. right entertainment yeah. is what people consume the most because they're i guess they're bored with their lives i'm not really sure but that's just the most popular so you can go that route right if you're not going to go that route or you're not there where your content's just pipe popping off excuse me virally then the next thing i think you just have to actually do something that people respect you for so like i think it's been interesting to watch but you know gary v for example people respect him and he gets a lot of content out there cuz he's actually done cool shit like he's mm-hmm. built crazy big businesses i think his agency does like 350 400 million a year and that's just one of his companies you know hermosi just blew up recently yeah yes he's done some incredible things but the other thing is he's a really good speaker very good at communicating in fact you know i look at how he talks sometimes i'm friends with him i'm like man i need to be better at how i communicate so for me or for you i think once you do something incredible it's a lot easier because it carries more weight because for example today i posted something on facebook and i said here's a bunch of conversations i've had with billionaires just because if i say the same thing as a billionaire you'll listen to the billionaire because he's a billionaire right Mm-hmm. You say yeah. the same thing, but you're going to take it more seriously because the billionaire said it why? He's accomplished more. So I, to answer your question, I think what you should focus on is try if you're not going to go, you know, the influencer route, which I don't think that's you, then you need to continue to create something worthy of people wanting to know you. So when you say things that carries weight. Mm-hmm. And the reason people listen to Alex is cuz he's done something that carries weight. He's a young guy. His net worth is over nine figures. That's unheard of. It's yeah. not normal. And so for me, that's why I'm continuing like you're seeing me posting more stuff now because I have a big team, but you're going to also see me continue to try to grow big companies and do stuff that makes it wow, Tanner Chittister did that. That's amazing. Like, man, I should listen when Tanner talks. Um, if I didn't have the team I had now, like I'd still be doing the same thing I just told you. Like I'd still probably wouldn't post much content. I would just keep putting my head down. um until i was someone relevant of knowing but i i know if i continue down the path i'm going you know 20 years from now like i should be there right i should be someone it's like hey tanner chitister is a really good guy at business he's done a lot of things he's helped a lot of people he has high net worth so hopefully that makes sense yeah um but if i were you i would go more to the alex route where you just continue to build something until people have to listen to you because you're just so far ahead and so much better than everyone else i think that's the real way to do it uh if you haven't you know created anything amazing it's hard to speak and have it carry weight unless you're a really good speaker and there's mm-hmm. very few people you know who are jordan peterson level or yep. you know alex level there's a there's another guy he's a jewish is it shapiro ben shapiro i think that's who it is anyways those guys are really good speakers they don't have maybe as much quote unquote financial success or like business success but they're so good at speaking it's kind of like andrew mm-hmm. tate same thing yeah. and it takes like a great speaker regardless if you like him or not so yeah. people pay attention but if you're not a great speaker um then what else can you do and i think it's like just create cool shit like big stuff 
true and it, it's from initial stages of journey i think communication is something which you need even at six figures and seven obviously at above level you need more uh, but even in the initial stages you need a lot communication that's what it is i think that's what you sell your words as you said power of words which can uh, bend the people to your will what do you want to do yeah 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 oh that's amazing yeah and uh, i just had a one more follow up question when jumping into the paid ad because this is where i'm uh, looking into it right now what's your favorite platform or what do you recommend from a pers- for a person yeah. to six to seven like facebook youtube instagram yeah. uh so for me the first thing is understanding that ads amplify what's working and not working true so if you're struggling you know messaging people organically you're going to struggle with paid ads messaging mm-hmm. wise like if you're struggling with sales calls you're still going to struggle with sales calls. So first thing is making sure that process is intact. For me, we've always done the best running ads to messenger, whether that's Facebook or Instagram, because that's replicates our organic process. So I have a pretty big team, but for me, that was always helpful when we run an ad, they'd click, they go inside messenger and then our VSL link would would automatically pop up. They could watch it and book a call, but if they didn't, we could go in and message them. Um, just so you have a little bit of context right now, we run most of our ads to Instagram. We just feel like it's a higher quality person. Uh, we used to run almost all of it to Facebook, but I don't know, just the lead quality on there for us personally seems to not be as high. So, you know, based on your answer or your question, excuse me, where should I run it? I mean, if I had to, if you only had X amount of money, I'd probably do Instagram and do some type of like IG DM ad where you can go and follow up with people because when you run it straight to a page, you're going to get more people to the page. But if they don't take the action you want, they don't input their email or phone number, their name, you know, and they don't book yeah. a call. Well, then all you can do at that point is email people and email just isn't that effective compared to messaging. You know, it works, it helps, but I mean, we get way more clients from messaging uh, than we ever do just from email. I was having opposite. I was thinking like Instagram lead quality is not that good. Facebook lead quality is really? way better. Well, there you go. I mean, well, there you go. I mean, if it's, if it's not for you, test it. Uh, But we, we seem to have the most success specifically for like business type offers with Instagram. You're talking about B2B coaches, right? Yeah. You want to make six figures. Yeah, B2B. Um, But I mean, it could vary by offer, right? But if you're, you know, if you test and you get better results from Facebook, by all means do that. Just for us specifically, you know, we've spent like close to 20 million on ads and, the first couple of years we ran predominantly to Facebook, but now we run mm-hmm. almost nothing to Facebook and run it to Instagram. Oh. So take that for what it's worth. It's, you know, I would always test if you're able to test and, you know, you split the spend out, you know, Facebook spend, Instagram spend, you track how many leads and apps you get. Yeah. But um, I just know for us, like we've seen more success with Instagram the last two years than we have with Facebook. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's a good, yeah. Good thing to test it out. I'm going to do that. What's the next thing for you, man? What are you working on these days? Yeah, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, I'm about to start traveling the world. Um, You're 30, right? If I'm not wrong. You're 30, right? I just turned 31, unfortunately. So I'm a little older. I'm turning in next month. So uh, this year, I'm really not going to be too focused on business. And the reason being is most of... The individuals I spoke to told me to really take some time off before I dive into the next thing, to really think about what I'm going to dive into. Um, And the more I've done it, I think that's good advice because when you're not constantly doing ideas flow to you a lot easier. 
you're a little bit more in a learning state. And so I'm just going to give myself some permission for the next few months to travel and read and talk to people and really decide. I have a couple ideas of things that I'm considering, but I'm just not sure. Uh, but I'm going to give myself some time. So like I said, my companies are still running. They're still doing well. Uh, I'll still be advising, but I am looking for kind of that next venture that I think can get a lot bigger. And I'm not too sure what it is yet, but I'm looking into it. Cool, man. That's good. All the best for that one. That's Where can good. listeners find you online if they want to learn more about you? Where can they? Yeah, so I'm going to, I'm trying to take YouTube pretty seriously. Uh-huh. I'm hopeful. I'm actually going to see Daryl Eves on Sunday who, uh, oh, yeah. And stuff. So I'm going to spend a day with him and hopefully crack the nut on that thing. So I think it's like 17,000 subs right now. Nothing crazy, but I'm really trying to push it. So if, if anyone wants content, that's going to be where I'm putting most of my effort uh, and trying to put my best stuff. So YouTube would be great. Definitely. I'm going to be dropping links in the show notes for the people out there who are watching us or listening us on this one. And uh, the, what's the one piece of advice you can share to our listeners before we round this up? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, especially for beginners, is don't quit. I know that sounds very cliche, but, you know, I think the thing I think about all the time when people ask about my journey is, you know, from 23 to 25, I was working 16 to 18 hour days and I made $2,000 in two years. Terrible. You know, from 25 to 27, I made millions of dollars and I was working the same hours. So if I quit at 25, which I almost did. I almost did quit. I almost went back to school. Instead of, you know, doing 50 to $60 million in sales where we're at now, yeah. you know, I would only have made $500,000 the last five years. So 60 million, 50 million, 500,000. It's a massive difference yeah. all because of a small decision. So I'm a really big believer that as long as you keep going, you will figure it out unless you have a mental disability, literally. You will figure it out. So no matter how bad it gets, just see it through. Because I know for me, two years doesn't sound long, but when you're going through it, it's forever. And so just no matter how bad it gets, try to keep pushing through, be around positive people. Because I mean, the reward is worth it. The reward is always worth it. It's just in the moment, it's terrible, but it's always worth it on the other side. So for anyone who's struggling, who's listening to this, or you're considering quitting or you haven't had success yet. I really highly recommend continuing to push because that's what the reward is, is getting to the other side. It's not uh, going back and, you know, getting your job that you can always get. So. Absolutely. That's a gold nugget out there. Best advice, powerful one. And your network is also your net worth all the time. So surround yourself among the people who are way ahead than you. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man, for coming on, giving out this valuable time. And people who are watching us live or listening to us will be coming up with another episode very soon. Till then, stay tuned. Take care. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to visit dreamclientsecrets.com to get more information about how you can grow and scale your online business. And if you love this show, don't forget to leave me a five-star review. And I will see you in the next episode.